Okay. I wasn't I wasn't recording uh, my bad. Did have reaction to the um new podcast logo. Oh. I put it in my family group chat mm-hmm. and uh Zach was so like what the fuck is that? He was just like What? So like this is this trash <laughs> blah blah blah. He, he didn't I'm sorry, your your super analytical, oh, like non artsy brother wasn't into it. But yeah, he was like What? I think he was Color I th- don't think he liked the rainbow. He didn't say he didn't like the rainbow, but I think he was like, Ugh, rainbow. But then he didn't get that it was a camera. Coward. Because he didn't he's like, you need the reels. Yeah, Cameras so. now don't have reels, have reels. In- and haven't for like Two, like, not, I don't not think he's decades, apologized like, to me for anything for like a long, long, long time. But after his conversation of just like railing this this logo, like like uh, totally out of pocket. Like I just I sent it. I'm like, oh, look at our cool new logo, and he's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh wow, what a reaction. That's uh, well, uh, if he'd like so, to submit, if he'd like to submit uh, like a tester, a- I'd happily critique it. Considering the man thinks cameras Wait, still have film on them. <laughs> the, the average movie camera oh, is boy. digital now. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my chocolate factory. And I should warn you that one of us always tells the truth and one of us always lies. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hello and welcome to Fans Labyrinth, the podcast where we discuss your favorite indie flicks and genre television. I am your host, Lydia, and with me are my co-hosts, Des and Joseph. Say hi, guys. Hi. (laughs) nailed it on the first try i haven't done that we don't don't record those very often anymore at the (laughs) beginning we would go through like four or five times each time we were so nervous yeah i would just constantly forget what i was saying i think we've we've made some big strides uh as a as a collective (laughs) Mm -hmm. as a union yeah we've got a we've got a good Mm -hmm. comfortable energy now Oh God! Immediately back, as promised, Uh-oh. to the preamble conversation. <laughs> Who's seen the teaser trailer for the Rings of yeah, Power? Yeah, I mean, I saw it. Amazon Prime. I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding show. it at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't okay, I don't want uh, I don't want anything that Amazon's going to do with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> Is it just like a anti Amazon? It's a few things, thing, but that's one or... of them. I just i i don't i don't think they should okay. be data mining that property for for more stuff that they're just gonna mishandle. Like when I, when they when the news broke that they were just gonna like start including like like straight up sex scenes, I was like, you gotta stop. <laughs> you gotta stop taking the crazy mm. with this. So here's the thing. I don't know if that's gonna happen because the show doesn't have mm. a TVMA rating. It has a um like TV thirteen or TV fourteen rating, so it's hmm. it's like PG rated. I did PG thirteen yeah. rated. So I don't think it's gonna be that like sexually graphic, especially because in the states like they tend to rate higher for. I'm just not ready for anyone for to violence. reinterpret something that is objectively art into something that is objectively a cash grab. Um, that's my fear. 
I don't. And I don't, so I, I don't want to touch it. I don't think it's a cash grab. I think. I mean. Oh come on! They're gonna add. I mean, I don't think there's anything that they're Amazon gonna add does nudity to Lord of the Rings that's not a cash but grab. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't think they actually are adding that much nudity. So it's TV fourteen. This bitch ain't rated we'll like see. fucking I won't X. Know, I'm not gonna be watching. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's not gonna be game game of thrones with tvma oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not gonna reasons. be like that it's not gonna have that kind of nudity uh, or I'm that just, kind of sex i'm the wrong audience uh, for it, it can't say. <laughs> uh, yeah. all right i just i didn't totally understand mm. what the concept of the show was going to be until the teaser came out because it was really just marketed yeah. as like we're doing this lord of the rings show but it's going to be like the before time. And I was like, why didn't you just do yeah. the Silmarillion then? But it seems like it's in between the Silmarillion and mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings. Or like the Silmarillion and the Hobbit really is what it's like sitting in between. Timeline wise. And I'm like, well, that could mm-hmm. be, you know, something. Mostly I'm just not ready for my favorites to be recast. Like I don't really want like they, a new. They, re- they recast Galadriel like and that's a huge mistake. Because Kate Blanchett is because Galadriel uh, renamed beauty. herself Kate Blanchett when this era began. Uh, there's no separation. It's the same person. Yeah, I mean, she still is. God, she was so good. Yeah, Kate Blanchett's amazing. I know, but yeah. she was so good as Galadriel. Yeah, she was fucking and, um, perfect. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. It's not. Yeah. I'm not the right audience for it. But uh, I'm certain it will be good and fun TV with the budget that they have. They would have to try really hard to truly mess this up. And I'm not saying they won't. It's still Amazon, you know? I mean, like, they make better originals than Netflix in general, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that they make, like, phenomenally good content on a regular basis. uh, Netflix originals. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not the hugest fan of Lord of the Rings in general. So I'm like, I probably will try to watch it, but yeah, I'm not particularly excited for it. Mm hmm. Um, speaking of like Lord of the Rings adjacent things, I heard you got, I overheard you two talking about The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing that you guys are watching? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. well, it's a thing I watched. Um, he hasn't Is that, finished uh, Do you plan to, yet. Joseph? Eventually. <laughs> Is this, are, are you taking a side or are you trying your best not to take no, a side? No, I just, like, it's, it's fine. I, it's just, it's just not hooking me. I'm just like, I, mm. I just can't seem to connect with it or keep like keep keep watching it that's fair i think i think uh i know the first season for me really struggled to grab me Mm -hmm. that's how i felt in the first season i like does it have a more clear through line i haven't started it yet but like i'm i'm in i'm in the dark part of the year where it doesn't do all that like timeline jumping bullshit, which mm. can work in a show or in a movie, but like they don't. I felt like in the first season, they mm-hmm. don't explain what's happening very well. So when the timelines are jumping back and forth, yeah. it's kind of difficult to follow. It, that's not happening in this one. And I do think they spent more time developing the like secondary characters than they did in season one. Season one was very, like, everyone was, like, pretty two-dimensional. In this one, it's yeah. more character-driven. That's an interesting creative take, um, given, like, because there's no way it wasn't going to be a hit, this show. Like, the first season is, like, is like marketedly, like, low-budget-looking. Mm. 
which mm-hmm. is insane because they're spending like a yeah. fucking million dollars an episode, it looks, and it looks, it looks so really cheap. cheap. It's crazy. I was. It made me so angry how cheap the effects looked and how fucking cheap yeah. the bat, like the sets were. Like all the backdrops and sets looked like, uh, it, like it just all, looked all like of the magical effects look like stock after effects. <laughs> um, so oh, it's God. it's a really interesting. Yeah, it looked like something that would be in, like, like Merlin. fucking Xena or Hercules, like, those kinds <laughs> of things. That's the thing, is, like, it looks super yeah. low budget and kind of janky. I, the, the, the timeline jumping thing almost convinced me that they didn't have confidence this would take off. But of course it was gonna. The Witcher's, like, the biggest video game, that, you know, since sliced bread. I'm... Well, in the book series, I I'm think, is, like, pretty uh, The book series. Uh, so, like, season one for me was interesting because... Basically, all they did was they took a bunch of out of context short stories from one of the prequel books that was just a short story compilation, mm-hmm. and they somehow yeah. tried to interweave a plot about Siri, which the sound they sound like it, they're doing it linear yeah, now. This one I think is like, yeah, this one I think is like very close mm. to the book. The f- I think the first book, the first full novel, and there's like scenes and pieces of dialogue directly lifted from the book. I was reading an article where like they were interviewing the, the like one of the directors or the writer or something who was saying like Henry Cavill took a larger role in like the creative process because yeah. he's a huge fan of the books. And they'd be like shooting a scene and he'd be like, you know, I think we could really like lift this piece of dialogue right here hmm. from like page 126 we should just pull that right into this scene. So, like, there's a lot more of that where, from what I've read online, fans of the book series are saying it's, like, very recognizable That's good news. to the source I, um I was really worried that they were going to, like, still do the time jumpy stuff while also trying to maintain a linear plot somewhere. I Maybe I'll have to check that out. No. No, it's very, it's very one timeline. You're still jumping between, like, different character perspectives, so there'll be times where you're with Geralt and Ciri and you're going through like their story where they are and then you go to the next episode and you're with Yennefer and it's her story and then eventually through the season they converge so you're still getting that kind of okay. jumping yeah, that but seems, not time that sounds reasonable jumping. that sounds reasonable yeah easier to follow when you're doing both character jumping and flash forwards and flashbacks yeah. it's so confusing and it's just like the first season wasn't that well written. Well, I, I, I think it felt honest. like they were trying to characterize Geralt by showing you like some of his misadventures. Mm-hmm. But he is the trope of like the non-character effectively, right? Like he is just the gruff guy who like somewhat follows orders and then sometimes goes rogue. But like there's really no person there. You hmm. do get some person in this in this season yeah, i don't um, i don't agree with that take of Geralt in general other but, like yeah. like witchers and pretty stuff. clearly has a conflicted personality about what he's doing and how he like adventures in the world like cause he wants to help people but he also recognizes the that, the that he's like viewed as a monster yeah that the truth of the witchers association which is like you kind of have to yeah. cut your losses and go often so he's i don't know that's fair maybe maybe i summarize that badly I, yeah that's i, I fair. like yennefer as um, a char- character a lot more and I don't like what they open with as her storyline in season two. And so that really, I think, threw me off because I don't care about Geralt's storyline nearly as much. Oh, did they interweave them at the start? I mean, they, their storylines have always been interweaved. What do you mean? I, I just mean season one spent so much time with them, like they're separate and then an offshoot story where they're together. And then, yeah, I mean, they're not together like, in the beginning of season two, but mm. I just mean, 
yeah, I don't care about Geralt's story as much. Well, her, him and Syria. No, nobody really is. Hmm. Nobody really is. Yeah. It, that's it. It's him and Syria together. Um, and yeah. then Yaskier is off on his own. Well, Yaskier doesn't even come in the first three episodes. I forgot they renamed the bard. Yeah. Yeah, I miss Matt. I, um, I, so Yasker isn't in it so far, and I love him. So that's frustrating. And then... How deep are you? Three episodes. I finish episode three. Ooh, you gotta have him in there. And then... Yeah, I Yennefer, did find I that annoying, like too. He does come line. in, but I... I Siri, I'm, I'm definitely warming up. Wow. She actually is very good in the first three episodes, but I was really, really worried about her coming in, like, in the first season. Yes. I really did not like how she was portrayed. But I do think... They've evolved her well. I'm also glad they gave her her <laughs> eyebrows back. In the first season, they had her eyebrows bleached. She my, like yeah, she did. my favorite thing about alien. season two so far was the what the Beauty and the Beast type house that one of the characters that they meet us in. It had a oh, cool magical vibe one. where the magic was very like it wasn't special effects magic. It was kind of like like. He would summon like food or candlesticks or whatever, and they would just drop from above the frame in like onto a table and stuff like that. And that oh. kind of shit just feels practical, feels cool and whimsical in a way. Um, I think sparkly magic is mm-hmm. even I don't even in Wheel of Time, I find it not great looking um, in uh, Shadow and Bone. I don't find it perfect looking like it's just never been done perfectly for me in any in any uh tv show or movie i think it's just very hard to get sparkle sparkle arcane magic to look good yeah on screen it it doesn't I, th- I don't think it feels good for a lot of viewers like the idea that magic is truly this like nameless unknowable thing like if you treat it like it's like i hate saying this but like it's physics or you treat it like it's some kind of a like a manifestation thing it i think most audiences are, are usually just like okay yeah i get it or like i don't know it's much more satisfying than just kind of like sparkles happen and then food materializes i i didn't see your your uh shirt before lydia <laughs> i can see it now oh my god i've never seen <laughs> it before this the, or this is the first i've seen it <laughs> but yeah we already have talked about which are so many times on this podcast so. yeah it's true I, I actually have a tangent <laughs> on that. Okay, do you have a tangent? Go, because I was saying like I'm about to hard do. tangent into something else. So so this one this one this one don't worry my tangent has a hard ending because there's no way you guys are gonna want to follow it. Uh, <laughs> um, right. So so speaking of okay low budget fantasy, this last little while I've rewatched all of the official Dungeons and Dragons movies. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I, I saw the first um, one. I didn't know there's others. Yeah, the, well, there, there's one that was in theater, and it was just called Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. with Jeremy Irons. That's the one I've seen. Yeah, and he nice. and he's given it too. He's like he's bringing his professionalism to something that was like very clearly a doomed property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next two, I believe, were just direct to DVD and then direct to Walmart. Fun kind kind of movies. So I watch these because, uh, one, I hate myself, and two, I love bad movies. And this one has a, a staggering 10% rating on Rotten Tomatoes out of a possible 100. 3.7 on IMDb. Oof. Uh, and it's it's bad. Oh, it's so bad. It's almost like perfect storm of shit. 
So uh, I guess the story behind it, not the story of the movie, is that a gentleman, Courtney Solomon, he is a, he's he's a Torontonian, he's a Canadian, he's making making the Dungeons and Dragons movie Canadiana, mm-hmm. uh, if you ask me. He I guess uh, bought the rights to do the movies before TSR got bought out and like divided amongst a bunch of other companies and then reconglomerated into Wizards of the Coast. And he just it was like his pet project. He loved D&D. He wanted to tell one particular story and it's just like the entire budget went to getting jeremy irons everything else he paid pennies for uh so every other actor the sets the costumes the cgi even the script scripting is just like the bad the worst thing ever and i knew that going into it uh it cost 45 million dollars to make and i promise you courtney solomon pocketed half of that and jeremy irons got the other half god uh, so I watch these as an exercise because um, I, I'm running D&D with my friends mm-hmm. right now. And we we wanted something to trauma bond over. Uh, and so I introduced them to these movies. Aw. Yeah. And uh, and they're horrendous. Uh, all of them. None of them are worth watching. <laughs> but uh, if, <laughs> if you really, really want to watch something that's like the room quality, um, but with dragons, all three of them are great. <laughs> One quick comment here. My brother's watching the first season of critical role oh they made that campaign into a tv show on prime wait so wait they turned they they, they turned the tabletop rpg into a real se- tv like, show oh really yeah. so i think it's that's the first curious. time something like that's ever been done and yeah at least at like a big studio budget yeah i don't know what the the reviews are or whatever but it's you know it's related if people are interested in this kind of thing it could be something to check out and if you don't know Critical Role I, uh, and you are interested in D&D stuff, you probably should go check that out too. Critical Role is like I, a bunch not... of pseudo-celebrities playing D&D mm. together. I'm actually not super familiar with them, but I've heard the name and I just like the idea of like someone's tabletop game got made into a TV mm-hmm. show. That's really fucking cool. You know what? Maybe next time we record, I'll check. I'll have that watched or something. I'll check that out. Damn. Now's a good time. The Legend time of for... Vox Machina and it's animated. In a kind of American-y style. I'm not sure uh, what I'd say it looks exactly out. like. Looks like. It's kind of like American anime style. Oh, is it like... Ooh, I typed anime by accident. Legend of Vox Machina. Oh, you know what? This is the same artist who did Young Justice. Right. Which was like, I was thinking of something like, like that. It looks very similar to that. Yep. Yeah, you're right. It looks like American anime. I forgot who the artist is, but... Um, yeah, like Castlevania that, that... too, it looks like. Yeah. Um, the guy who did uh, Young, uh, sorry, uh, Young Justice. Uh, if you, I know you guys probably aren't super into animated things or no, not as comic much. books, but like, but it's it's like one of those, it's one of the few DC properties that was like mature, like well written, funny, and like overall did like really well with like the source material. And I think it's on Netflix. But yeah, that's I recommend it. But I don't know if that's something that's up, that might be up your alleys. So is that your kind your whole spiel on the D and D movies? Yeah, well, it's three movies. I don't want to go into each one individually. <laughs> I don't think you guys would appreciate that. Uh, what's your tangent, Joseph? What's the, what's this hard well, turn that we're? Taking? I was just I was just going to look up one of my things just because I was like I do not want to talk about Witcher anymore. <laughs> mm. I think a, a nice soft one <laughs> to get into that's related is watch this new one on netflix new movie on netflix that came out probably a week ago maybe a week and a half i'm not sure actually though um but called the house which is a series of three mini movies 
uh, oh. all done in claymation. But it's not really clay being used. It's like felt and fur. So it looks similar to the Fantastic Mr. Fox, that style of uh, stop motion. Yeah. Mm, uh, each of the three out. short stories within it uh, use a different style, um, but they all have the same house within it. I would say the movies are like fables. So they're they're like fables and they have that atmosphere with like they give a very interesting vibe and they leave you with a bit of a sense of eerie confusion as to the message. Like there isn't a clear moral message like you should not have bought that house or whatever, but they give you a vibe of like um the choices that this character was making led them down this kind of path and this is how they ended up. And it's like, ooh, that's kind of eerie. That's kind of weird. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of one to give an example. I, I think this is the second one is the, t- the weakest, but it- it's about Ratman who is I'm here fixing, for up a, fixing up a house and um, he's then trying to flip it and sell it. But he's like so slow with it and he had to fire all his, con- he's a contractor and he had to fire all his um, help, you know, the plumber, the things like that. So he's doing it all himself and it's a really fancy, fancy house. But then as people come in for the open house, you can see all the like, problems like things start falling apart a bit you you realize he's been like calling people basically he's given up everything else in his life to make this thing this house flip happen and so they're like did he make the right choice but it's really cool for the animation and the vibes i would say and the third story in particular i think is a beautiful story yeah i saw that uh, i saw that uh, it popped up on netflix on my um on my my feed and i i, I favorited it because i wanted to watch that uh i didn't know it was three stories though that's good to know Yeah, about half an hour each but for a total of an hour and a half so that that's that's one that's not necessarily related but it's still sort of in the fantastical realm and uh lydia anything on your end um, no, no 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 i don't i don't really have anything that matches that energy um <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna go like full left field uh i watched okay. hotel transylvania wait there's four transformation <laughs> oh, oh yeah no. i really like yeah, that first one yeah so the first three uh drac is all mm-hmm. is voiced by adam sandler in all three uh this is the first one where adam sandler oh but dracula's back though so, so so someone had to replace him yeah drac is back oh yeah um, and to be fair to the new voice actor, like it's not super noticeable. They they did a they did a very good job of maintaining the voice. It's you know, it's fine. It's honestly, I think it's better than the um, third one. I found it more charming. The third one I kind of found sort of annoying. Um, this one was very cute. Yeah, you know, it's a kids movie. It's fine. It's like a bunch of monsters that get turned into humans. And then the one human character gets turned into a monster, and it's a I little saw Freaky Friday action a thing that was talking about. Um, you just remind me of other movies within that sort of scope, which is Mega Man, uh, Mega Mind, and it was about how the villain of I think this uh, is Megamind. in the original Mega Mind is oh he has a weird Titan, but is but it's spelled weird, like it's Titan as in like Titanus screw or whatever. Uh, but that's because he like misunderstood yeah. he he. He was supposed to be named Titan, as in like the Titans versus the gods, but he thought it meant so. It was, it was weird, but that people were talking about how it's interesting how he's like a nice guy villain, 
right? Which is a sort of villain that people can relate to in everyday life today. And so I thought that was a kind of cool... A lot of people have some interesting takes on that movie. And so the animated non-Pixar Disney movies, they're they're good, um, what do you call it, like digging material for like interesting things to talk about. They're often always a little bit weird in some direction. Yeah, I remember I remember that one that one movie that came out it was a Pixar, I think, where it was about emotions. Oh yeah, what was yeah. that one? Inside called? Out. Yeah, Inside Out. That one, like, oh yeah, uh, it's probably the first of those that I've seen in over a decade, maybe. And I was very surprised that it that uh, at the direction that it that it was going, like the thing, the the subject it was trying to talk about. It was really interesting. I never saw that one actually. Yeah, Inside Out was really good. It's I, really good. Yeah, I, I also even, really like don't even Soul. know what that is. <laughs> it's a newer pixar i think yeah soul is yeah it's a newer pixar and it's about um a music teacher who believes his like he's meant to be a famous jazz musician and his career has for kids. never taken off um and on the day that it's on the day that it's like about to take off wow. he dies so it's about him going into the afterlife, trying to come back to Earth so that he can. Yeah, I want to see that one. Fulfill his dream. I still haven't gotten a chance. It's because I don't have Disney Plus, and so really a lot of the recent Disney stuff I haven't kept up with. I managed to see in Canto because a, a, a lot of people have been talking about it, and so I ended up watching with a friend. But a lot of other Disney stuff I I miss. Yeah, I watched Soul just kind mm-hmm. of on a whim, and I. Uh, really here's a weird question. It. At what point should movies stop numbering themselves okay. and instead just go for like semicolon subtitles or I mean um, subheaders? Well, Hotel Transylvania Four does both. The official title is Hotel Transylvania mm. Four. Colon I mean, like I, for me, I think I think four is for me. I four is so the right time to start thinking about just not using numbers. Yeah, like after three, I think you take the number off. You don't have to. That's, you can do it either way. I'm just saying it's like, I think trilogies I should always be numbered to help you understand like where you are in the position. But after three movies in the same franchise, it's a franchise now. Like you, they clearly aren't following yep. the same storyline. They're just doing whatever they want. So it's just like, mm-hmm. it's the next one. Sure. That makes sense. I don't know though. Cause like here, here mm. we go. Die Hard does exactly that. You have Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, Die Hard 3, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and then technically yeah. Die Hard 4 is called Live Free or Die Hard, and Die Hard 5 mm-hmm. is called A Good Day to Die Hard. So it doesn't even have Die Hard at the beginning of the title. But then you have Scream, which mm-hmm. has no subtitle. It's four, literally right, just Scream right. 1 through 4, and then the new one mm. is well, just I, yeah. In that Scream. case, I think the new one should be called Scream 5. But Is it supposed to be a reboot, or is it supposed to be a continuation? I think it's a continuation, right? It You've is got to a put continuation, a um, but it's also it's also a reboot because this one is supposed to give you a new final girl, but you still also have Sydney in there as a oh, final girl. Oh, okay. So you have both. You have a new generation final girl, but then it's you a have pre-sequel. an OG final girl. It's a little hmm. bit more like what Halloween did. It's not like ignoring all the other sequels like Halloween did, but the new Halloween has your new final girl. But then it still yeah. I mean, has that, Laurie Strode. That's not necessarily like doing, rebooting, that though. That's energy. just the next step in the story. Yeah, it's just continuing it. Yeah. They should have just yeah, called it Scream of. 5. Kind of. Although I will say Halloween is kind of a little bit of a Yes, in that case, well, yes. It's ignoring that's all of yeah. the after the original yes. Halloween. 
So it's a direct sequel Halloween, to the original they, they Halloween movie. They kept changing their mind on whether or not they wanted to reboot or, <clears throat> or like, uh, continue. And I'm glad that they... I didn't yeah. like the newest Halloween, but the one that came before was... I, I thought was really good. What? Resurrect? Oh, you I mean I didn't like Kills. Halloween Kills. You didn't like Halloween yeah. Kills. You liked ha- yeah. Halloween. Yeah, so you liked the Danny McBride... Yeah. I was very Halloween surprised movie. by it. Yeah, that uh, one I, I liked. Was be... I didn't see Halloween Kills, but I heard bad things about it. So I was like, whatever. Yeah. It, it missed some... Yeah. I thought you were saying you liked Halloween Resurrection, <laughs> and I was like, bold I... claim. You liked the Buster Honestly? Rhymes one? <laughs> Have you seen it? So are you just are you no, just no, 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 one? Fuck I haven't no. seen it. See? I haven't oh seen God. it. But like, but I, I, but I like the idea oh of God. like rappers playing rappers in horror movies. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm not gonna say this. This would make. He wasn't playing a rapper. He was playing a producer of a reality television show with Tyra no, Banks. Okay, never mind. I like the idea of like the better one with rapper in a horror movie is Halloween H two O with LL Cool J. I did see that one. Security guard who's an aspiring. I did see that one, novelist. and I and I laughed my way through it. <laughs> that one rules. See, I was thinking, I was thinking amazing. Ghost of Mars. That's a John Carpenter where I think it's Ice Cube. Mm. Ice Cube. I think it's him. He basically just plays himself, but with guns on Mars, which has oxygen. And he goes just on like a shooting spree. Uh, That's a shit movie, but so funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Busta Rhymes. I I, I might have to watch Resurrection just to hurt myself. It's got to be. It's so fucking bad, dude. It's got to be. It's so bad. Oh, my God. It's crazy. And it's like immediately that was so H2O was supposed to be like the final Halloween movie because it was it was called H2O because it was Halloween 20th anniversary. So it's it's supposed to be like this is it. Oh, yeah. We're done. <laughs> You've got grown up Laurie Strode. She's a mom. She's like doing her best. Teacher at a private school. Her son goes there. She just, like, has a bit of an alcohol problem, but, you know, a lot of trauma, so it's fine. And it, it rocked. Like, H2O is dope. And it did so, so well that, like, immediately after, they, they greenlit another Halloween movie because it made so much fucking money. But they, like, basically ignored everything that happened in H2O. Mm-hmm. Um, do you care if I spoil this for you? Oh, please. Yes. <laughs> please spoil okay. it. So they basically the they, continuity they does not matter to me. They pretty much ignore everything that happens. <laughs> they pretty much ignore everything that happens in H2O. They put Lori Strode into a um, mental institution, and within the first fifteen minutes oh. of the movie, she kills herself. Are you fucking kidding me? While Michael, while Michael is watching, Michael breaks into the mental the mental health facility that she's in to kill her. Uh, great, great murder of the uh, of the nurse, though very solid. Goes for Lori. Wants to kill her. Um, she immediately jumps off the roof of the mental health facility. Kills herself within the first 15 minutes of the movie. And this was after, like, she beat... My- and I, she beats Michael in every movie. But she beat Michael. Saved her son. The trauma was over. She was, like... She had her shit together. She quit drinking. And then they just, like, throw her into a mental institution and kill her off in the first uh, first 15 minutes of the movie. And then the rest of the movie is about Buster Rhymes running a reality television show where a bunch of 20-somethings are supposed to spend the weekend in the old Myers house where the original murders took place, where he hmm. like tried to kill Lori the very first time when he was a boy. And then Michael 
comes back. It, like turns out he's squatting there because you know because that's what he does. Our boy needs a place to lay his head down, <laughs> so he's squatting in the old in the old homestead, hiding in the oh, walls. Oh, good. Literally, uh, and then he just murders a bunch yeah. of hot twenty somethings that keep gyrating on a reality television show. All right, that's a special that's, kind that's of pain, and I can't wait. It's real yeah, bad. that sounds horrible. It's real bad. Um, there is, in fact, a scene with Buster Rhymes doing karate. Oh, against, okay. um, Michael Myers. Okay, I have to watch this. I have to watch this. This sounds. This sounds yeah. perfect. He does like a nice high kick into a karate chop in a burning building. I'm getting. I'm. I'm thinking like. Uh, I'm thinking Spider Man One vibes. Oh, so much. Worse. Oh, good. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> just, just so much. So I have much a really high that. tolerance for shit movies. Yeah, I kind of like. I uh, so this is. I don't know if I've expressed this before, but I like the idea of bad media, um, whether it be video games or or movies. Uh, those two are the the best examples because you have a big team. You have a big budget. You have mm-hmm. one person at the head who has this a vision. This always kills me, yeah. Yeah, and and everyone is like generally some kind of maybe not expert in their field, but they're all skilled at what they do. And they're all working towards that same narrow focal point, that one goal, and the end product somehow is just complete and utter shit. That for me yeah. is magic. It's, it's bad in a way where I don't think they knew it was bad oh. until, like, they But how could it. they not, right? Like, it takes itself, like, pretty seriously until you get near the end. It's rough. How could they not know that it's shit, yeah, though, it's, right? Like, like at some point... You cast, you cast Busta Rhymes. Someone quietly it. to themselves, though, on, on set is just like, oh, this sucks. And someone else is like, oh, fuck. And they're like, should we say something? And they don't. And they just keep working with their with their with their high level of skill with movie making to just continue driving this ship into I the ground. I refuse to believe that like <clears throat> the only person who seems to like be acting like this is a joke is Busta Rhymes. <sighs> Everyone else is like going yeah. in full force. Like they they they're like this is my was that the moment. end of his acting career? I don't remember. I'm... I I, ha- I can't think of a single other thing other than like him. I'm, I'm pulling ride. him up. Busta Rhymes. That's a, isn't that Exhibit? Oh shit, that is Exhibit. Oh, Busta Rhymes. I can't think of anything Busta Rhymes has done. Busta Rhymes. Before or after I, Halloween I'm pull, I'm Resurrection. I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. <laughs> oh wow, right, he, he, so he did a bunch of stuff before. Weirdly enough, so he did. Okay. He's done like maybe ten movies. All of them okay. seem to be. He was in the rep the Rugrats movie first of all as as oh, Reptar fun. as what? the Reptar wagon. He was in Shaft okay. with Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, he was in Shaft. Yeah, it looks like he's been in a mix of serious and silly, usually playing himself or like a mm. background character. And then after Halloween Resurrection, right. he did Full Clip, which is Busta Rhymes an exhibit in like a uh, black exploitation action movie. Right. Breaking Point, which is with Tom Berenger, so okay. you know it's a good one. And then in 2016, the last movie he did was King of the Dance Hall with Nick Cannon. Okay. Hell yeah. Oof. Don't know. Oof. With Nick Cannon. To this day, he is. God. Oh God. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name anything that he's in right now because no one should be watching this crap. I'm sorry, Busta Rhymes. Busta Rhymes or Nick uh, Cannon? Busta. Uh, I'm sorry, Busta Rhymes. I'm not yeah. gonna stand you. None of this <laughs> shit looks good. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. Or Busta. Stick to I mean, retiring. Whatever. He's he's got a career. Stick to being a retiree. Uh, 
good good for him he's made some money i wanted to uh doing his thing now that you've seen it lydia i want to bring out mm-hmm. a big gun for thing because i don't think i've talked about season three of succession and you <sighs> just i don't think you've ever talked about it on the show and you've now watched the whole thing yes i finished season three before you did i think so yeah no i did okay jesus I binged it all in like a week and a half. Which is crazy to me for this show. But I mean, fair enough. That's like two two or three episodes a day, which is like fine. But it's like I watched it weekly for like all but season one. What... Just, a, just a destructive binge watch. <laughs> destructive. What did you think? Uh, I really liked it. The acting is really, really solid in it. We had this like argument on whether it's like a dark comedy or a drama. Oh my God. It's like, it is a drama, but it's very clearly a dark comedy. Like, it's very clearly satire. I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I love Kieran Culkin. I think he's a really, really great actor. I think he's really funny in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have... I think with the comedy versus drama thing, I think this is just my bias towards, like, I don't think comedies, like, really do character studies, which is totally unfair of me. It's like, because the closest I can think of is maybe Schitt's Creek for me, where I like, I genuinely think the characters get amazing development and are very interesting. But even there, there's a goofiness level to the show most of the time where I still like very much see it as a comedy. Succession is never goofy, even when it's sat, like, even though it's clearly satire of like a lot of people and their, their ways of life. Um, and there's like, so much dark Satire is a moments. form of comedy. <sighs> I don't laugh. I, I guess what I'll say is, is I almost never laugh at comedy. the show either. Like, I don't find it funny. I find it dark and foreboding about, like, what the characters are doing. And it's very tragic. There's a lot of deeply... It is very tragic. Uh, ...horrible things happening. I do happening. find... I, I agree, but I do find that there mm-hmm. are, like, elements of satire and comedy laced throughout that. I think yeah. Karen Culkin's character is very much, like, comedic relief in a yeah. very dark and, like, socially twisted sort of way i think tom and cousin yeah, greg whatever cousin greg are clearly comedic relief i think a lot of the things that kendall does are played for drama but are like so like ironic mm-hmm. and weird and like satirical that you can't not like even when it's dark and twisty like he's doing a non-ironic rap at his dad's award ceremony like it's clearly comedy yeah. It's it's comedy and tragedy interlaced, but it's like definitely got enough comedy in there that like I would still probably for like award seasons and stuff, it would make more sense to classify it as a drama. It's going to win more awards that way, but like it very much so is like elevated satire comedy. Yeah. No, I I think you're right and I've been, I've read articles about it. I've talked to other people about it and it's like it is clearly trying to do something like that. It's just funny how little I can like see it that way. But it is true it's pretentious. I mean, I see, I see lots of stuff as comedy. It's just, just not this one. Like, I just see it as it, within the trappings of drama so tightly that I can't get, I can't see it otherwise, and I don't find it funny. That's why. I mean, I think the big thing about a comedy is you should find it funny. I don't find the jokes funny. I do find a lot of it funny. Well, I mean, that's you know, that's just we're not, we're not going to be able to come together on that, right? That's just like whether you laugh or not at a show. I also don't think like comedy has to be like belly laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, I I think that there can be comedy that you can recognize as, like, satire and dark comedy. Comedy that makes you go, oof, yeah. that was a lot. But it doesn't necessarily make you, like, laugh out loud like a shitty Judd Apatow from, like, 
2010. I think especially with satire, you get you get a lot of space to be something other than like, you know, snorting and belly laughs. You get you get the chance to like, (laughs) if anything, maybe be a little bit more serious. Yeah, I would say like the idea. It's probably more along the like satire lines of something like Catch Twenty Two, where most people consider it like a serious book, but it's a satire and and funny to many people. Whereas like. I guess where, like, when I think of satire, I often think of, like, Discworld or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where it's, like, it's so clearly, like, a joke every page. And whether I find them funny or not, it's, like, very clearly wrapped up in that. And it's, like, I don't even know how to call it, but it's, like, almost not, it's not cynical about what it's talking about. Like, it, it's very loving of what it's talking about, but it's also, yeah, a big critique of society. I, I mean, all those things are true of, of Succession. It gives me the same kind of dark, it's maybe a little less laugh out loud funny, but the same kind of energy as that movie with Aaron Eckhart, Thank You for Smoking. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that um, one. You, I think you did the, mention like, it to me when we did talk about it, though. It's about the lo- like uh, lobbyists mm-hmm. in um, D.C. And specifically, Aaron Eckhart's character is the tobacco lobbyist. And then there's a like guns, like NRA lobbyist, and there's an alcohol lobbyist. And it's just, like, about what it's like on Capitol Hill being a lobbyist for something that everyone in the world knows is negatively impacting um, society. But you have to try and convince politicians not to create laws against your product. And there are, I would say Thank You for Smoking has a few more laugh out loud moments. But, like, it has a very similar dark humor, satire tone where it's, like, clearly mocking the way... Mm -hmm. government functions and that these lobbying groups can't even exist for something that like everyone in society agrees is a bad thing i didn't watch it but does does don't look up fit into that category i would say don't look up is more on the absurdist end but it's still a very similar concept Mm -hmm. to like type of satire Mm -hmm. to succession or thank you for smoking i would say like if Thank You for Smoking was the middle ground, Succession would be on one end and Don't Look Up would be on the other. Because Don't Look Up is much more in your face, much less nuanced and, and more absurdist. Whereas Succession is very nuanced. It's very grounded, but still has similar kinds of commentary just specifically on like media conglomerates instead of climate change. Makes sense. I, I actually hadn't heard of the show Succession until just today, but uh, looking at it, it looks like it sells itself as like very serious. But um, the cast they have look like they're and it pretty is. versatile. Like, is that mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Brian Cox? Is that what is? Mm-hmm. He's really good at walking that line. Everything I've seen him in, when when he wants to be taken seriously, he can do it. But he's got a really interesting delivery for for like a dry dry humor. Mm-hmm. And that's really, like, that's how I, it's very, like, cynical and sarcastic and, like, very dark humor, but there is a lot of humor intermixed with, like, the dramatic moments. Yeah. I, and I mean, I've talked about season one on this podcast, I've talked about season two, but I think what I really appreciate about season three is that they've managed to hit three seasons in a row now, which I don't think I've seen many shows do in the last, like, 10 years, where I think each season is 10 out of 10. They are all phenomenally crafted. They all make sense with the previous season. Characters develop. And my number one thing about what makes the show amazing to me is that it is constantly fulfilling its themes, which to me is, I would say there's two major ones. It's about family dynamics and the pressure of being 
under an authoritarian father. All of the kids are both trying to escape the authority of the family and trying to do other stuff. Not necessarily all of them, but like that's been an option that all of them have taken at some point in the show or before the show. And the temptation of you're in a billion dollar, many billion dollar industry. And if your father does pour favor on you, you gain an unbelievable legacy. You get unbelievable riches, unbelievable power, and all these things. And so they're torn. All the characters, in very different ways, each of the characters are torn between these two. It's like, do I obey my authoritarian father in order to have gains in my life? Or do it? And he is a master manipulator of them in order to get them to do what he wants through this power. But the other side of the show, which is related, but it's about power dynamics in the world in general and and how the characters each use what influences they have money charisma power family connections whatever it is and a line that's said in this season that i really appreciated is that someone is saying like this is a truth of like how we have to deal with things like you can't deny this truth and the other character said it's the father but the father says this is what you have to learn everything is moving always all the time that's that's the truth of the show that and this is very true of like all dramas basically like all dramas sort of cast this thing where it's like even if you are a part of a crime family like something like the sopranos or an, or an ozark even if you're you know part of noble families in game of thrones or whatever your loyalties or who you're loyal to and your characteristics that have gotten you this far won't necessarily get you to the next space and what i like about succession the most is it's trying to say can you make other options? I feel like Game of Thrones was less interested in this, for example, where it's like it rarely has characters asking, like, is leaving? I mean, that's the supposed answer at the end of the show. But like, let's be honest, it doesn't care about this. But like, is leaving the game the right answer? But Succession is always on that question. All the characters are constantly asking, can I escape from this circus, this circus that they're all within, this power dynamic, and make something of my own life? The, the temptation of it is just always too much. There's always a reason to get back in onto the treadmill. And that's the tragedy of the show. But it's also, yes, trying to be very, very funny about it, where characters land into the the weirdnesses of fake liberal modern uh, things. Like, like the way people weaponize feminism, the way people weaponize, you know, the tech launches and, oh, this technology is going to like change people's lives and be good for people. And it's like, Will it, though, or will it just make you money? You know, will it just make you look cool to do this? That's the thing of the show. And it's definitely, for me, still... <laughs> I've said this for season two, now for season three. Still the best show on television for me. Damn. It's just so good. I'm going to have to check this out. It's just so well crafted. It is really very good. And I, and I love a lot of other stuff. Like, I've, I, this will be for another episode, because I qu- haven't quite... Or I'm not ready to talk about it yet. But there's some other stuff I've watched even recently that I think is also incredible for TV shows impressive to have a show where literally every character except maybe for most of it cousin greg but now he's horrible too yeah but to have them so charismatic that's like bumbling and kind of stupid (laughs) it's so charming though for him how he gets tempted into the circle and i love in this season his conversation with his uncle who is someone who's tried to stay out of the game as much as possible and grandfather yes his grandfather and greg's just like he's got caught up in a bunch of stuff and he asks his grandfather, like, you know, what should he do? Like, he wants to make this move or that move. And the grandfather's like, the only answer I'm going to accept from you is to if you're going to leave the game. That's what it means to have integrity. You can tell that these people 
are horrific, right? And he has his own, like, the grandfather has his own issues. And that's probably why he isn't so tempting as an option. Because the grandfather is, like, pretentious and weird in his own eccentric way. But he is saying an and answer. just, like, kind of consistently a dick. Yeah. But he, he is an answer that Greg just does not, does not take. He does, does. He's like he's so influenced by the games. He's like, I'm. What's the move? You know. Also, it's the, the satires of the satire online are so funny. If you find YouTube videos of people making fun of Succession and playing the characters, I die. There's some great TikToks. Yeah. So that that's been a wonderful experience that I just finished watching with my family again uh, a couple couple weeks back. Um, but yeah, that, that sort of left you out of the loop there for a bit. That's no, okay. Did you have anything I, I'm just, you wanted to uh, chat You guys about? kept saying Kieran Culkin, and I'm like, I had to look him up because I was like, I forgot that. Uh, oh, yeah. He's from uh, Scott Pilgrim. I, I, see, I think I thought I recognized him because I, I recently rewatched Home Alone, and I'm pretty sure he's in the first one. Oh, yeah. He's the cousin. Uh, Home Alone. Yes. He's the cousin yeah, that it's the Fuller. with the glasses. Uh, Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. Yeah. And see, seeing him as an <laughs> yeah. adult with like a five o'clock shadow after having never seen him in the in between yep. between Fuller Guizzi and the Pepsi. Like, Whoa, aging happens. Yeah, what the hell? And like him and Macaulay, when you look at them side by side, like they have almost the they same went face. they went in very different directions. Macaulay looks like uh like like full coke coke bloat. Uh, he looks like no, not anymore. He looks healthy yeah, now. Somewhat. <laughs> I saw him pretty recently. He's been clean for like a he, long he, he time. He looks he looks like they've had to reconstruct his sinuses uh and that they had to like really okay. smooth him out. He looks like he looks like they inflated him a little smooth. bit. Yeah, they smoothed him out. <laughs> Butter uh, whereas whereas uh Well he's probably had some work done. Let's say more than a little. And Kieran though looks like he's like half God, you're so mean to He's like halfway Macaulay. to John Ham, Kieran. He's like halfway between John Ham and and Macaulay. It's strange seeing him like this. Yeah, I mean, Karen doesn't look bad. That's for sure. Yeah, he's just like five foot four. He looks he's like exactly man. your type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know what my type of oh, he's, guy? He's got looks eyes. Like? He's got funny eyes. <laughs> what does that mean? That's your number one thing—the funny eyes. That was like that was like a notable feature that you pointed out where you're just like, yeah, I think I like guys with like Steve Buscemi eyes. And I was like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that do. was, first of all, not what I said. <clears throat> I said I found Pete Davidson attractive. You brought up oh, the Oh, that's eye true. Thing. And then you named a few other guys and I was like, yeah, they all have frog eyes. Uh, <laughs> they're, all, they're all from Innsmouth. <laughs> <laughs> they all have independently moving eyes. <laughs> They all have, they're all from Innsmouth. In fairness, I do have independently moving eyeballs and lazy eye, and it does on occasion when I get tired. It kind of wanders. Something. It's rare. It doesn't do it all the time. I've never you seen it. Constantly. I've never seen it, it do it, to be honest. That, but, uh, usually it's just like a quick Oh, skip. cool. If I'm like really concentrating, like if I'm reading something, it'll just do it. My, my right eye does that. Yeah. Uh, so that means I might be in your wheelhouse. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I joke. Got that lazy Hell eye yeah. shit. <laughs> Just astigmatism over here. Yeah. Not much else. One, one eye on the streets, one be... eye on the sheets. <laughs> Story of my life. Des, did you want to? Did you want to talk about another thing, or should we jump right into? Let's the go right to the thing. 
unless you guys want to hear about yeah let's jump hear in about dungeons and dragons movies <laughs> no, no no i don't um i do want to understand why you didn't watch mazes and monsters if you were going to watch the dungeons, we watched dungeons and dragons we watched and those three movies. in preparation for mazes and monsters because because <gasps> the other three are celebrations very shitty celebrations of D's legacy mazes and monsters is a christian propaganda movie and so yeah, i know i love it and it's also tom hanks's like first I, like, ever i've, I've seen it before movie. because i needed to but oh, but so god good. holy shit i love that they i'm not gonna so i'm not bad. about to go off on mazes and monsters but like uh i love that i love that they couldn't fucking do the alliteration very well so they're like instead of dungeon master yeah. it's maze controller <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god <laughs> I also love that the that the cover art for the VHS is like or and the DVD is a stock photo image of Tom Hanks from about like 20 yeah. years later in his career overlaid on like a fantasy oh. castle that is and like a not checkerboard I think at all. it's so bad yeah yeah uh that's yeah. that's one that's one that I so I want bad. us to watch but but yeah I'm I'm I, we watched this these three in preparation for that God, oh yeah! So, <laughs> I'm so excited for you. So excited for your D and D friends. I'm gonna hurt them so bad. So, what did we watch, Lydia? What was the fun? We watched 1997's Event Horizon 97. from Paul Anderson, starring Sam Neill and Lawrence mm-hmm. Fishburne. Um, and Event Horizon is a sci-fi horror film about a haunted house in space yeah yeah very literally with like a lot of a lot of christian Mm -hmm. overtones and that's that's pretty much that's pretty much how did you uh how did you first hear about the movie or like what made you watch it in the first place oh god i saw event horizon years ago when i was like Mm. super oh really i saw it as a kid (laughs) yeah Event Horizon is just like one of those like really weird niche like cult films and it's like a cult film in both the sci-fi nerd community and the horror nerd community mm-hmm. because it's got a lot of crossover. So it's it's super popular if you're part of those like sort of more niche areas that love like shitty movies, like shitty genre films. And it was like that movie was like super highly anticipated. There was like a lot of high expectations around the success of this movie because it was like super high budget, had a really good cast um, and like was super genre bending to have a budget of that size. And we're coming off popularity of like other sci-fi horror adjacent films from the 80s. So it was like in a really good spot. That's something that we all noted, too, was like the 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 very clear inspiration from Alien. Yeah, very similar. And like this movie in particular is just the unfortunate consequence of like massive studio interference. So like, even if you watch like the unrated director's cut, there's a lot of scenes that they add back in that were Mm -hmm. cut out for rating, which is not a bad thing. Uh, You get a, you get a very short glimpse of the like Caligula esque cannibalism orgy Mm -hmm. that happened on with the previous crew. And it's, it's not a bad thing that they cut that out. Cause I think that was originally like a 15 minute fucking scene in the movie. Oh, the worst God, the so worst bad. part is like that contributed so big so much to the myth of, of event horizon because there is no cut that exists that shows off the full cannibal orgy but like give no. the people what they want it <laughs> is a little bit longer it is a li- no i think that footage is lost i think that footage got they, lost they in like say a fire it's lost, or something crazy but, 
Mm. Oh, I didn't um, know about this mystery of this movie. Yeah, so there's that's really cool. So they kept flashing yeah. to like pretty like visceral scenes throughout, and uh, and there's one point where they're where like the camera is looking at the crew and they're looking at a screen. So it, you see a you yep. see a flat screen upside down, and they're showing something that's pretty gross. There's like a yeah, like Lydia said, like a full 15 minutes of like. I don't think it was a full 15, but it was a, a pretty extended piece of cut footage that was basically... Yeah, it's probably more yeah. like 10. Uh, and it was basically just, like, very sexual, very violent, very yeah. horrific. It was a, it was a yeah. cannibalism orgy. Uh, and it was cut. It was a super graphic It was cut, and orgy. so... Yeah. Oh, oh come on. Fucking shocker. Come on. Give the people what they want. There's no... There's no getting... Like, there's no getting... A theater grade rating. No. With what they had originally no. intended in that scene. So but, there's uh, that. The original cut of the movie, I think, was like three and a half fucking hours long. Studio obviously was like, we're not making a three and a half hour long sci fi haunted <laughs> house movie. So we had to cut that down for size. But the biggest thing that happened was Event Horizon and Titanic from James Cameron were filming around the same time. Both huge budget movies, both with the same studio. James Cameron fucked around with his bullshit perfectionism and couldn't get Titanic finished for the original release date, which was supposed to be the summer of 1997. So he pushed to December and suddenly the studio didn't have a summer blockbuster. Right. So oh. They went to Paul Anderson and were like, you need to get this film ready for a July release date. And he was like, I literally just finished filming. It is the end of April. This is functionally impossible for me to cut this film, like edit it, perfectly mm-hmm. screen test it and get it out at that release date yeah no way so it ended up with this super sloppy cut um which is why the continuity is a little fucked up you can like it feels like it feels choppy missing it does mm-hmm. it does it feels stilted and choppy in certain areas the conclusion feels really accelerated mm-hmm. like it feels like there's a whole act missing before that conclusion happens so it's 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 very weird but he did it. He got it out for the release date, but he didn't get to do a lot of the screen testing or a lot of the fixes that were intended. So it was critically fucking uh. hand. A, for being graphic, because it is fairly graphic, even with the like. For 1997, it's exceptionally it's still, bad. Like, yeah. Pretty graphic. And it's messy. Like, it's just, it just is a messy movie. And then apparently the original cut was lost a lot of the original footage was lost whether that's because of a studio fire which is what's claimed or if the footage was just stolen and hidden because it's so graphic and weird like it's very apparently super weird so the director's cut that was released there is an unrated director's cut it's got a few scenes added back in it's a little bit better um, it's still not perfect, and it's still not the majority of the footage. I need to figure out what version we so, watched because I know we watched the remastered version, but I don't know if it's if it's, it's um probably. Mm, I don't know if the remastered version is the unrated director's yeah. version. Um, but even the unrated director's version, there's not a lot added back in. I'm just curious because I've seen this movie like a like a good like dozen times, maybe not a dozen, like a good half really? dozen times. Yeah, I, I I like it. I I like it partly because it is in some ways a bad movie, but also like. For the time it came out in, I think it was a standout when it comes to, like, sci-fi horror. Because it didn't just do the claustrophobia thing. It did try to go weird with it. And it mm-hmm. borrowed a lot from, like, the video game Doom. Where it's like, yeah, like, like yeah. we've opened a portal in space to another dimension that is just literal hell. And yeah. hell is coming through. But um, that's 
It's also got big Hellraiser yeah. energy. That's my big problem with it is just that, or my, what my big problem with it is just that it feels like an amalgam of a bunch of other different things. And I, I have a very hard time stating anything about the movie that feels unique to itself and feels worthy of like watching in itself. Mm. If you watch Alien, if you know a bit about Hellraiser and Doom and some other stuff, it's like there just isn't... Or even like Solaris too, or like this idea of like people, there's a bunch of like Solaris like clones after where it's like people going crazy in space. Like I, there was a terrible one called Night Flyers like four or five years ago. Night Flyers is really bad. Yeah. Oh, the TV show. And it's, you know, it's just about people going crazy in space. Night Flyers is based off of, isn't Night Flyers the one based off the book by George R.R. Martin when he used to write sci-fi? Yeah. You know what one is good though? Sunshine. Sunshine is a good Solaris robot. Like, and but that my uh that's my thing about it. it's like i just can't find a moment in the movie where i'm like oh yeah like this is why you'd watch this one like it, it just yeah. feels like you know amazon basics brand i think it's just uh, alien like i think it just like hit at a time a it has like all of this tremendous like mystery and lore around it because of the studio interference mm-hmm. all the cuts how messy it was and how panned it was so it just like hit that perfect niche for it to make cult status um, in genre film. But it also like it, it touches on just enough of those tropes that like people love Mm -hmm. when they watch sort of like bad horror movies or bad sci-fi movies. So I think it just captured the audience at the right time. I mean, it's 97. It has pretty decent special effects, um, like CGI effects for 1997 and really fantastic practical effects. Yeah, I found the... Um, um, so it's right in that middle ground. I found the ships and things was... And I, I know this is 96, so they they can do a lot better than, like, aliens and stuff like that. But I found the way, you know, you're you're watching the ships in space felt very good. And I, I, Those are miniatures, like, with a background yeah. and just Photoshop forever. But it, it's way so, yeah. less fuzzy. It, the actual... When things are floating around CGI, like liquids and stuff... Oh, it looks bad. It, that still doesn't quite work. The, this remastered version does clean up a lot of stuff. But mm-hmm. that's the one thing where I'm like... It's not quite there for me. By today's standards, it's not great. Yeah. By 97 standards, when, like, that kind of CGI was really just starting to, like, yeah. get into the mainstream for film, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. And the fact that they melded practical effects with those CGI effects, they did a pretty good job of that. Like, when you've got the burning guy mm-hmm. coming out yeah. of the water, like, you can tell that that's, you know, early versions of cgi because they didn't have the code for fire yet at that point so it's not true computer effects but it's definitely early versions of like photo cgi and then you have him blasting an actual fireball and it's like that's a practical effect it's Mm -hmm. actual fire and like the fact that they're meshing these like pretty cohesively and it's pretty clean looking is impressive Hmm. yeah i think i think also like to 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 speak to the draw of event horizon i think it's one of the I think earlier examples of like a space horror movie where instead of going for claustrophobia or for aliens, it went for like internal something that is quite literally evoking horror from the people who are being subjected to it. Well, it's got eldritch yeah, energy. Yeah. I would say it feels like very Lovecraftian in a way. Yeah, it it does. There's an, there's a human and, element and, to it that that is missing from a lot of like sci-fi yeah, it's, horror. It's very cabin <laughs> fever style, like mm-hmm. like tile horror, but it's like. Hmm. Which is similar to Sunshine. That's that's the thing for me and... though. It's like I've I've already heard about or seen things in space doing that, so it didn't feel new to me. 
But also we've seen obviously that type of storyline with the hallucinations and stuff done on on not space many, many, many times. Yeah, I feel like it it to me feels like pairing it with hell, sort of like actual like of... hell creatures is interesting, I guess. It, but that just makes me think it's funny in Hellraiser. Well, and that's and that it does have a Hellraiser feel, but more than that, I feel like it's a mix of something like Solaris or Sunshine with something like 13 ghosts yeah okay sure uh, which yeah it's also a fucking I loved 90s classic we, yeah we got to do 13 ghosts at some point that was an absolute favorite oh my of mine god when i was young <clears throat> oh so it's good so bad so though. good it's i so mean Ma- matthew lillard matthew lillard horror icon mm-hmm. but it, it does yeah. have that same like similar kind of energy the way the hallucinations look the way the ghosts look the way like mm-hmm. just how horror is blended into this sort of like mind fuckery and cabin fever personal demons kind of thing yeah. so it's sort of i don't know i would say it's sort of and an amalgam of I, I think it also makes really good use of of the setting i feel like a lot of uh sci-fi horror that's tends true to... you get a really good sense of the ships in this, yeah and, and, like, and, and their purpose mm-hmm. in the show and, it has a lot of like uh like Ridley Scott kind of vibes too with the way that parts of the ship are designed like like not just like the centrifuge that's in the center but like there's these long hallways that are that look cylindrical but they're actually shaped like an eye like almond eyes kind True. of thing. Yeah. There's but a also, lot of symbolic yeah. shapes in yeah. in, the, in the movie. And it doesn't o- always feel super super bad. Like I really the did, centrifuge is pretty over. I did hate that spinning I hated that spinning tunnel though because it really did just remind me of those like carnival oh, walkways yeah. when you go through the like clown house yeah. or whatever at a carnival. I, I, I do give Event Horizon props for not just leaning into the claustrophobia aspect of things. Like these are people who feel like they belong on a spaceship and feel like they like it feels yeah. lived in. Their living quarters yes. look like like yeah. they Again, should. It's, it's unfortunate yeah, that Alien already did a failing better job of that, but yeah. yes, that also happened. I also do like that some of the rooms are pretty expansive. Mm-hmm. Like, they're fairly yeah, they're large, too, which limits that, like, temptation to do the sort of claustrophobic. Yeah, everyone's locked in. With an enclosed space. Well, And, and that's very much what it is, right? It's an, ex- it's an enclosed space. It's supposed to be one, not one set, but, like, you're in one location the whole time. But you have a lot of differentiation between the rooms and you have some rooms and areas that are like quite expansive in size mm-hmm. so it it sort of gives breathing room and limits the excuse to to go for like that easy kind of claustrophobic cabin fever space madness kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah and and i not to steal your thunder das but i symbolically i also really enjoyed how the gravity engine with the with that has the portal to hell is shaped like and i wouldn't have guessed this but once you said it i saw it uh, like in a, the original description of biblical angels. And so that's really cool because it's a very space. We know this is a space shape. We know this mm-hmm. is the um, type of centrifuge that they use when they train astronauts to mm-hmm. deal with zero gravity and all this stuff. But it's surprising yeah, like that that looks exactly the same as the biblical angel shape. So it works yeah. really well that they've yeah. intermeshed those two things. But they also, and I like how liked the symbolism is that the ta- there's a meeting table and a window in the ship that are both crosses so mm-hmm. they're really getting that mm-hmm. biblical imagery in a very subtle way like people are not just doing t-poses and <laughs> you know having bright lights shone behind yeah. them so yeah. it's like there is more of a sense of subtlety yet evocativeness to yeah. a religious undertone it plays a lot with that religious horror like you you've you've said it a few times and i fully agree like the hellraiser thing where like so much of everyone's 
I'm going to use quotations here, but punishment, the way that they were hurt in the movie, was almost always exclusive to, like, them. So it was almost yeah. always exclusively, like, to play on their fears or things that have happened to them in the past and things that maybe they feel reg- regret or guilt about, like Lawrence Fishburne's character specifically. Yeah, I feel like if that was fleshed out more, that could have been the, the... I mean, that is the aspect of the movie that it is It could have been better, yeah. I just... I never felt connected to the, those characters' actual histories. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what was lost in the cut, mm. right? Like, the, you're talking about a movie that was originally, like, three and a half hours yeah. long. Yes. Most of what Give was me that was cut. The character study. Give me the Snyder cut. Like, they forewent the character development for the, like, flashy plot moments. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately. And it feels that way, which is, which is like, probably the biggest detriment. Because I honestly think most viewers could get past the dated aspects of it mm-hmm. but most viewers probably can't get past the fact that they they, they that it, you do feel like you're cheated out of feeling connections with these characters yep. it's very stilted yeah and that's like that's like the biggest criticism i even have for the movie is just like i feel like i could that's the thing i could have liked the characters i think the acting except for the one young guy i think the acting was like solid and i loved Lawrence fishburne i thought his character felt mm-hmm. so solid as a captain he was interesting i was always intrigued when he was on screen he embodies it really well yeah yeah and so I really enjoyed that. But like when I think of the actual characters, so few of them were really fleshed out. They were really just given their it's like an old classic horror movie, right? They're only given enough character development so that they can have their funny moment and their and their death scene. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I didn't get enough to really care about why this is the demon that's coming to you. Yeah. They aren't actually demons, but like this is the punishment that's coming to you. You're right. Yeah. Like they like none of them get to be people outside of just like the, the yeah, like you said like basically the trifecta of just like here's your background, here's your your funny moment, here's your sad moment. Yeah. But like cuz and they pro- have moments with the like the bear stuff. That was it, it, that was the one moment that like tugged at my heartstrings a little bit. I'm like, "Ooh, there's something here." Mm-hmm. You did feel like they have been calling each other this like bear family for like a while. Yeah. And, but it's just not given enough breathing room. I just couldn't connect yeah it expedites yeah. a lot of the the character setup right in the intro it just says like here we go and then it's just like plot but you're right yeah that's like if they added like 30 extra minutes to this movie controversial i know and it, and it was at, like closer to the start of the movie i'd be very happy seeing each yeah. character get like extrapolated a little bit more and and honest to god like despite the fact that this movie does the 90s thing of having like a very aggressively tokenized black dude mm-hmm who opens up the movie with just straight up sexual harassment if they had in, uh, uh if they were to but like racialized sexual harassment very strange um i don't know how they got away <laughs> with it um if they were to remove a character from the movie 97 it would be i think it would need to be the very young guy the one who got who got uh baby bear yeah the one who got i just think they needed a better actor he is a necessary part to the plot um you'd have to oh, change yeah. the plot i mean i mean if we were to do like a fan edit basically i'd say i'd say like basically take out any speaking roles he has and keep in the scene where he gets decompressed because truly he's he, his moments are the ones where where you see through the artifice of the yeah. um of the acting yeah he's also just a bad actor. the guy who uh plays lucius malfoy uh we had his name but i forget it's oh immediately forgot it but he's he, very his handsome. character in this he was the most like randomly yes. cut apart character like i don't understand what his purpose was in the movie he literally has yeah. i don't totally yeah, either I, he, I, he literally has a moment where it's like calling it's like yeah i'm gonna get the bad guy i'm gonna solve this problem and then he's just killed it's like okay i mean like that was your purpose like 
Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Jason, Jason Isaacs. Two first names. Um, and honestly, I also feel like Sean Pertwee, who played Smith, who's like the guy who's going to repair the ship. I get. I think he was an engineer or right. something. No fucking idea what he was doing there. Yeah, he um, was. He was often a, a point man, though. So it's like I understood him as being. He was the one who's like telling you this ship is broken in this way. It's broken in this way. Like he was keeping you up to date on the problems. So I'm like, he was the babysitter. Fair enough, yeah, like kind of. But you like. Sure, but the guy that actually goes out and yeah. fixes the ship, is, yeah, you, you could you could have meld them into the same character, like, yeah, yeah. But he's yeah, too busy to being a token they're, they're black doing guy, the you same know. Function. Yeah, they they tokenize him really yeah, hard. What was his job? <laughs> his what was his job? He's going out and fixing the ship, but like, he, he, <laughs> is he also an engineer? I don't understand. I, I, I'm actually now that I'm thinking about it, he's a bad welder. <laughs> yes, he's a shit welder. Now that I'm thinking about <laughs> it, they, they basically just made him the character. They basically just made him a single scene from Blazing Saddles, where he's just like, "Where are the white women at?" And it's like, hmm. fucking, like y- you could have done so much more with him than just like. <laughs> to the movie's credit, though, yeah. and this is the thing at the ending, it's like it astounds me that this was two black characters. And a white woman who make it to the end. And yeah. technically it switches around a little bit at the very end. But like the meaningful characters who make it to the end and have purposeful yeah. things to do are those three characters. Which also, just to point it Although out. Although she's given like no characterization. Alien did the same thing. Alien did the same That's, thing. Yeah, though. it's true. Doesn't he die though? Woman and a black man. Or do- I can't remember if he dies right at the end or if he also gets off. But he's not in the I'm second I'm pretty sure he dies right at the end. But I think he's... I think he survives. I think they both survive. Oh, no, no I'm thinking. No, of the you know, he one. definitely dies in the yeah, first one, the but uh, but he makes it very far. He was, to be fair, yeah, he like was much more characterized right at the end. than the token black character in this one. However, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne was very good in this. And so oh, he was he was he robust. Was. Well, Lawrence Fishburne is just an excellent yeah, actor. They, they yeah. really did good work with so him. It, it, there's there's back and forth. To be had, but this, again, just goes back to the like alien did it first. So it's like even this aspect of the movie, I'm like. I want to give you credit for it, but your your uh, women characters were not given as much characterization as obviously an alien. <laughs> like obviously, the woman who survives at the end has has almost no speaking lines. Yeah, they're just not like the one that survives. Especially, I don't understand what she was about by the end. Like she yeah. was just the hot one, right. I guess. Like she doesn't have almost any speaking roles in the whole movie, so it it is a bit strange yeah. that they just. Like I'm not that it. She, she does the bio scanning. I guess like that was her thing. Yeah, and she and she did like the scanning of the event horizon to see like not just to yeah. see if life forms were on there, but to see like what equipment right. was still functioning and and stuff yeah. like that. So I would assume she's some kind of like maybe like comms navigations or something. But yeah. she yeah, at, comms and though her role in the actual film is like she basically just plays a damsel in distress. Like she's just getting her head knocked around, yeah. being saved by people. Yeah. Like it's just it's not good. There's like a whole 40 minutes of that movie that she's just like not in. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. most important 40 minutes of that movie, she's just like not in it. And then you find her unconscious on the floor in like one of the rooms. She She's and an interesting she one because like every time I watch the movie, I forget she's in it. Because like, and, and when we rewatched it this time, I caught myself. Be, but, but it was hard because the first scene you see her in where she's not, I think, being like really badly objectified. She's just in the background behind a pillar behind Sam Neill acting like she's pretending to act like she's getting dressed or undressed. But she's doing the actor like background actor thing where she's stuck in between where she's just like, take my pants off, put my pants on, take my pants off, put my pants on. 
and she's like she's like soft focus she's in the backdrop and she's just like pants off pants on pants off pants on and i and i was like who's this extra she's doing a shit job and then i remembered i'm like she's the last girl (laughs) and we should rewatch that after we've finished recording just that scene because she's literally like in the back with like her like gray sports bra on and just like pants off pants on pants off pants on it sounds like a bigger issue with like editing Mm. and continuity than her acting that's i think that's another thing to oh that's a directing thing sloppy edit that's a directing issue where he's just like yeah yeah. you just look like you're busy and she's like i don't even think of that i think it's probably (laughs) cuts i think it's just like badly cut together Oh, it's one cut. It's one cut. It's one long cut. And she's just kind of like, she's like, can't decide if she's pulling up her jumpsuit uh. over her hips or not. <laughs> she's just, it's like, um, you ever, it's like if you look in the background of a fight scene in a Marvel movie and the enemies are kind of just like, yeah, yeah, we're going to get a turn next. Like she's doing that. <laughs> I love that in, um, like if you watch old shows like, uh, like Buffy or something. Um, yeah. it never used to bother me and then when I grew up I was like why Why are they only fighting her like there's like eight of them and they're fighting they're very her polite. at a time they're very polite <laughs> vampires all yeah. uh, martial arts movies are like that too there'll be a whole circle and it's like yeah. they just have a choreographed it's gonna be this one then this one then this one comes in then this one yeah. oh a double everyone Here reach into the hat <laughs> yeah everyone reach into the hat yeah. pull out a number that's the order you go in uh, the twins you guys get to go in at the same time though because you, you both have nunchucks and your twins uh, <laughs> as we know nunchucks are a useless weapon so you deserve yeah. to have backup exactly <laughs> yeah. um yeah she 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 suffers from that throughout the movie where she's almost always background soft focus not saying anything yeah it's super weird too from like an editing standpoint even if it's a shitty sloppy edit to like cut the most scenes from like your main survivor of the film yeah. It's like just like a like objectively strange choice if you're going to have to do a quick edit of something to like remove your like your final girls. They they leaned really hard. Um and and I th- and I think they had to given like how sh- how tight the movie is time-wise because it's basically yeah. like a clean hour 30, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a hot like 96 minutes or something. Yeah, I think the reason that they had to do that is because they had to lean doubly as hard into Sam Neill going crazy. To Even sell that it felt like there was like a bunch missing. Like he Definitely. just almost immediately goes fucking nuts. Like they there, get on that like ship a, um, and he's just like, we must stay forever. And you're like, okay, he, I guess he has, he's crazy he, now. He has the same problem Jack Nicholson has as Jack Torrance, where he's like, you st- he starts off yeah, and you're like, this guy's fucked. <laughs> but um, that's my but biggest t- issue to with, be fair, the, though. with the Kubrick Shining. It's objectively better than the TV movie Shining that Stephen King had more involvement in. But like, the Kubrick Shining suffers from the issue that, like, the actual book, Jack Torrance is, like, a recovering alcoholic who's trying to mend his relationship with his wife and son. And that's mm-hmm. why they're taking this job so they can, like, spend quality time together. And he's not – he like, he starts off, like – He hates his almost, family from the start. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> in the book, he starts off sort of, like – uncomfortable around them because he was so awful as an alcoholic and he's trying to navigate this like complex relationship that he really wants to repair and he really loves them even though he was so terrible as an addict and then with jack nicholson he's starting off like this fucking bitch always nagging on me i hate (sighs) my son like i'm gonna drown (laughs) my fucking child and you're just like 
where do you go from here? Not 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 to not to switch lanes entirely to The Shining, but I I rewatched it recently with my partner, and I was I was rem- I I always forget the scene where they're driving up the mountain to get to the Overlook, and and this is when we are, yeah. we are aware Jack Nicholson is a recovering alcoholic, and he just fucking hates his family. He like yeah. His He's supposed in the, in to be like, I love these people. I want to like make this work. Oh. I want to fix the things I've damaged. And in the car, he's just like, Wendy, do you ever shut the fuck up? And yeah, shut. And then bitch, the kid asks a question. Now? The kid asks a question. He's just like, you should have eaten before you left. Sit the fuck down. Like he's just yeah. like straight up hates him. He's like, oh, you need to go to the washroom. We've only been in this car for 15 hours. How the, how fucking dare you? Piss yourself, you stupid little bitch. And you're like, yeah, bruh. Yeah, he opens up really hard yeah, on a he's kid. He's starting at a 10, family. and you're just like, I don't understand how this is supposed to escalate. I feel like he's going to murder them now. <laughs> he should I don't think he needs the ghosts. <laughs> um, but, but Sam Neill, uh, master of right. accents, uh, <laughs> Sam oh, Neill. <laughs> he's so bad. He's so he bad. master Go of accents. Go and rewatch Jurassic Park, and you will notice it. You will notice that he's doing a shitty American accent. He, he almost he sounds more Canadian than anything. I thought he was and then British. You get, about, you get about halfway through, and you're just like, oh no, he's going like full tilt down under at this point. He's just giving up. But uh, I, I, to his credit, I do think in this, or sorry, to Event Horizon's credit, I do think they give him at least one scene where it's clear that he shifts from, from like somewhat crazy to like full crazy. Is it the one where he like slinks back into the darkness after his like? <laughs> no, I think I think that's when he's already. I been am, like, I am home. I am home. And he kind of <laughs> teleports out like, of the room, like Homer Simpson going back yeah. to the hedge wall. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there, there's. I think it's. I think it's right before that where he where everyone is in separate parts of the ship. Everyone is experiencing hallucinations, and he is in the the um he's on the bridge, and he's sitting in a chair, and he's he's being um shown visions that he should be afraid of, and he's doing his best to keep his shit tight. He's just like sitting in the chair, hearing the banging on the door, and that's that's supposed to be the scene where like he's either possessed by something or he goes full batshit crazy, and I think it works. Open the door. But yeah, yeah, that's that's the one, and then I, I think afterwards is when he's like. I am already home. And he kind of yeah. like. Zoo, 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 zoo. Um, and then they have the one line that they like clearly fully lifted from Hellraiser and just like slightly tweaked it. But like it was basically the we have such sights to show you line from Hellraiser. Yeah. The most what? iconic line from Hellraiser. I love that this has just become a double he, feature. He, <laughs> yeah. We should watch Hellraiser right after and see what happens. We did Hellraiser. We did oh, you're Hellraiser right. We did. For an episode. We just did. But did uh, yeah. And. I thought we did. You and I watched Hellraiser. Did we not record? I it? don't. I don't think. I. I think I know our. C- can we? I mean, sure. Can we do that? Just for fun. Definitely watched it. Maybe we just didn't record it. Yeah. Oh, but, God, but 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 yeah. So the the line is um the line is super. It's a bad. It's a really bad transliteration of that where he just says where we're going. Mm-hmm. We won't need eyes. And then it like shows that he has very badly. Like, no, there's another one before that. He was like um oh? something about the. The ship or the portal or something or maybe it was right after that where he was like you don't need eyes for what we have to show you or something we something like that but it was like literally just we have such sights to show you oh but like yeah vaguely he, twisted yeah he said he says that line and then he says you won't need eyes where we're going kind of thing yeah, yeah. 
they follow they one follows the other oh it's yeah. so bad and it's like immediately as soon as i heard it i was like bitch i joseph hellraiser again the, the joseph the more i think about what you said i think the like i'm starting to lean into it more where, I'm, where it's just like alien did all of this better that's for damn certain and it did it six years earlier mm-hmm. Much but, earlier but than yeah, that. This, but this is more than Aliens that. like nineteen seventy like seventy nine. Why am I thinking it was ninety one? Uh because I think that's Alien Three. That's what it is. I'm 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 yeah, I'm mixing aliens, them all up in my head. So so Alien was seventy nine. Yeah. Aliens was like eighty two or eighty three maybe yeah. or something like that. And then Alien 3 was probably like 88 or 89. It was David Fincher's directorial A- debut. Alien 3 and was 92. Alien, Alien 3 was 92. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's my that was bad. Fincher's okay. directorial debut. Coming hot off the uh, off the music mm-hmm. video game. Yeah. It was like clearly just making fucking Soundgarden and Offspring music videos. <laughs> so goddamn bad is that movie. And then Alien Four would have been like ninety six or something. Ninety seven. So, oh, so uh, close. Alien Resurrection was was the year of Event Horizon. So, Alien yeah, Resurrection so I, is bad movie, but man, is it fun! I love Ron it's, Perlman. In it's that movie. so horrendous. Ron oh, Perlman, so uh, yeah, he he's a gem. It's so much better than than Alien Three, though. Like it's objectively better than Alien Three. I need to rewatch them both, but but oh, God, I, it's so I, bad, dude. I bet I'm I bet I agree. But you're, you're right. Yeah, fun. like it's just more fun. It, like Alien Resurrection feels like what the Doom movie should have been. That's what Alien Resurrection about, is. We don't talk about the Doom movie. We don't but watch Alien a, Resurrection. You'll be like, this is exactly what Doom should have been. This is it. This is it's perfect. Oh, it's I don't want to have to rewatch it though. It's fun. <laughs> Doom. No, God, Doom no, wasn't not fun. Doom, Doom was Doom's painful. Bad. But I did like that first. That, I mean, it was terrible, but I liked the first person shot, like, right at the end of that movie. It was fun. It was really badly done, but it was really fun. I liked it. It was corny. I mean, I obviously, Hardcore Henry did it, like, way better, but yeah, still okay, thought it was should fun. Should we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, we got to wrap this shit up. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, that was Event Horizon, a contentious <laughs> choice, apparently. Um, no, it's good. I, it was I also very a watchable review for Hellraiser. Yeah, I thought it was, I just don't think there's a reason to really go for this one over a lot of other movies. But if you already like Alien, Hellraiser, like you're looking for another thing in that category, like I, I really actually don't think it's bad. I just think it's it lands in the realm of mediocrity in a like okay way, not in a very boring way because there's exciting moments and stuff. It's just it's just kind of a seven point five out of ten for me. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I I think I think. Um... I think the, the what I would go what I, what I'd like to end on is saying I would recommend it. Yeah, I mean, as exactly as Joseph said, like that. Like if you like Alien, if you like Hellraiser, if you want something that you can like, you know, look at your phone at once or twice while you're watching, this is yeah, the movie. Yeah, it's very put onable. Also, if you just want something that's like weird, yeah, like it's it just you can tell it would have been deeply, deeply disturbed had they been able to keep mm. the original cut. And even though this is mediocre, like you can very much see how unpleasant it could have been yeah big caligula and space vibes mm-hmm. yeah so anyway that was i almost said that was hellraiser that was event horizon <laughs> uh, you, you can find us on all social media um we're on twitter at fans lab pod please feel free to send us your movie suggestions for what you think we should watch next and thank you for listening Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.